Welcome to Trash Compactor. I'm Josh, and I'm joined today by Russ. Hi. Fry. Hello. Sorry, I don't like how I introduced you. I want it with more enthusiasm. Fry. Hello. <laughs> and Mickey. Hey. And today is another thought experiment in the vein of our prequels 1986 episode in honor of the debut of the Andor show. We're going back to Rogue One and we're going to imagine what if Rogue One was made just before the original Star Wars, just like its story happens right before the original Star Wars. So like 1976 or 77 kind of as a lead in uh, set up for Star Wars A New Hope, maybe even made cheaply as a TV movie that has overseas theatrical distribution. I don't know. We'll get into all that. But oh, and a uh, friend of the show and frequent guest Johnny wanted to be here with us, but he's currently starring in a stage production of The Crucible. But he was so excited by this week's topic that he sent me a full list of his casting picks like three <laughs> minutes after I told him about the idea. So I'm going to read those out. <laughs> so I'm going to read those out for him. So, uh, so he'll be in spirit. So let's get started. Well, so first of all, Grand Moff Tarkin, I think we're all in agreement. He's still played by Peter Cushing because he's, he's still alive. Unless any of you have a wild, he's still alive. He's still the best pick. Except in this version, they they just they layer him with a like CGI version of himself, even though they can't do CGI yet. Like it's just like CGI yeah, it's like Tarkin he, on they, top of Tarkin. They rotoscope over him so that yeah. Okay, so getting that out of the way, Cassian Andor debuts in this movie, but he's really more of a code lead. The star of Rogue One is really Jin Urso. So let's start with her. Who plays Jin in the mid seventies? Mickey. Okay, I just want to say. Maybe, maybe this isn't a good thing to admit, you know, the one female uh -oh. role, but I, I definitely had the hardest, hardest time, I think, with, um, with Jen. <laughs> really? She, for me, was, um, she for me yeah. was actually by far the easiest. So yeah, I don't know I don't what know. I'm I trying mean... to say. I'm better than you. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't know what I'm trying to say. I, I had a thing where I felt like every good pick for that time period was actually, because to me, like, Jen is like young, and that's point, the point of the movie, like, definitely 20s maybe early 30s and okay. like i was kind of like and i'm like thinking all the actors at the time i'm googling like oh they're actually in their 40s and or you got your sissy spacek and and um oh yeah sissy um, at that pick. time who's like too young oh so that would be an interesting twist if it actually was a child soldier that's, at that point that's but, true um, so who did you end up with i kind of have like two picks i was thinking either natasha kinski kind of rolling on a wave that I think makes some other people might think a, a similar uh, someone related to her might be a good pick for another role I think that would be interested mm, um you, or you, kind of like mm. a, the wild card pick would be seeing what Shelly Duvall could do with the role oh nice Shelly Duvall how old is Shelly Duvall at this point I looked it up and I feel like she was in okay, her 30s yeah, language no, I didn't like no, yeah she would have been she would have been like say for argument's sake uh, let's say this is shot in like 76 right so she was born in 49 so she would have been 27 yeah. Is that, right? Is that the math? Yeah, so that no, yeah, yeah so that right? tracks. That's math. That's yeah. how you do math. Yeah, that's math. Yeah. That's math. <laughs> okay. I like your I yeah. like your pick of Shelly Duvall. Um, and she might actually come up as a wild card pick for another character for me later, but we'll get to that. I actually kind of prefer Natasha Kinsky because the thing about Jin is that it's not just that she's young, it's also that she's like she's like haunted a little bit, right? I don't know. Yeah. So I get that more from well, I don't know. I guess Shelly Duvall. I don't know. We can talk this out. Um, Fry, who's your Jin? Well, first of all, I was thinking, I don't think we're going to do this character, but uh, I just saw briefly for Jin's mom, I was thinking Shelly Duvall, like that came, came to mind if we were going to do that character. <laughs> oh, we should do that character. I don't know why. <laughs> but she's only got like two minutes of screen time. No, Shelly Duvall would be a good Jin's mom. What is her name? Lyra. Lyra. So who's your Jin? 
I actually have a few, and I think I'm going to go with uh, Jenny Agater. I think that's how you pronounce her name. From... Ooh, yes. Good one. Oh, my really? God. Is that... Oh, oh. Russ Russ is really... the Russ second is really... time. <laughs> Jenny Agater is a good pick, fresh off of yeah, um, Logan's run. Yeah, and I feel like because she's kind of too kind of quiet, reserved, but also like kind of passionate and like a little bit edgy when like when no, she needs to be. That's good. Do you have any, Russ? Do you have any backups? I do have backups because I was afraid this might happen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll I'll save anything. I'll let everybody else go first before I say other ones. Dangerous. Okay, Russ, who's your who's your second choice for Jen or so? All right, so. Jenny Agutter being my first choice coming off, you know, Logan's Run 1976 to be in the right time frame. Um, my backup is kind of a fun choice and you could pick between the two because the Charlie's Angels can get the job done. So I'm going either Jacqueline Smith or uh, or Kate Jackson uh, would be oh, my... Okay. Because I'm thinking a lot of TV, like TV action is very, very prominent at the time. Like, you know, you want someone who can show uh, the clandestine role. And also I'm thinking Star Wars... Uh, you know, early Star Wars, and I'm thinking, you know, what were people like? What were people into? And I really, the the main the main line here is uh, sideburns and mustaches. So you know, the lady's got to be foxy, and the guy's got to have mustaches and sideburns, and uh, you know, a little bit of shaggy hair. So uh, I'm definitely thinking the Charlie's Angels. So you know, I can go either way on that. They were my backups, but you know, if you want to go fun, oh no, I like that. I like that. Linda Carter would be a good choice then too. I didn't think about TV. Linda Carter would be a good choice. Yeah, because um, like I alluded to in the opening, like in my sort of this sort of counterfactual, like I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out how this movie could have happened, given the proximity to the making of the actual Star Wars. So so I'm assuming George Lucas wouldn't have made this himself. It was kind of like a cheapo thing that either like a friend of his would take on like maybe even as a tv movie that would be released theatrically like a movie of the week that would either debut before the film as sort of like a lead up so so it's not like the like grand spectacle it's more of like the like gritty lower budget lower scale men on a mission movie from from the 70s like a world war ii sort of like a men on a mission movie i, I was wondering if that, if that was that something like that or if like this is just straight up the before the first movie and the franchise and like uh it's not even a franchise at this point like if this would take the place of new hope and like no yeah i mean it very well could that's a part of the thought experiment it's just because that would that would change everything forever like because that would be the beginning of star wars like it would be this like kind of downer beginning and then it just like when then new hope comes after that and it's just like what is that this is a totally different movie well, yeah. Well, I mean, that's true. Like, I don't think well, sort of it originated. It's like Rogue One. The end of Rogue One is like literally like 20 minutes before New Hope starts. Right. So so I was sort of having it in my mind as like this hypothetical 70s production of Rogue One would act as a companion to the original Star Wars in a similar fashion. I think it still works because I always this just movie always feels to me like it's a somehow within the context of Star Wars, this feels like a historical movie. Like it feels like a, the equivalent of yeah. like a World War II kind of like, a, it's like the story of like this specific battle, like in World War II or something like that, that's never had like a movie made of it. But now we're, then yeah, like everybody's right. kind of familiar yeah. with it. Um, but somehow like within yeah, this fictional so, universe, it's like one of those. <laughs> yeah, it's like this, like, you know, small, I mean, in the context of Star Wars, it's like, you know, one line in the opening crawl sort of exploded into an entire two hour feature. It's sort of like, well, let's like really zero in on this one little thing and make a whole meal out of it. 
but I digress. Um, my general stuff for the 70s Rogue One is Jane Fonda. I'm thinking like clute mullet haircut Jane Fonda. Yep. Yep. I see it. Uh, but then I had a better idea. Pam Greer. Ooh. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I like it. I think I think that's the best choice. Yeah. Right. What were some of your backups? I'm curious. Um, a well, a Charlotte Rampling, especially when you said described her as haunted. That's like she, that. You most made me switch to like my first choice for that one. The only thing is that like, even though she was, I think about the same age that uh, Felicity Jones, like when she made the movie, I think I feel like she maybe at the time felt a little bit older. I like. Um, yeah, like she reads kind of, a little older. Yeah, yeah. No, but that's a but that's an interesting choice, though. Yeah, like um, no, I like that. And then for um, kind of similar reasons as Jenny Agutter, like uh, Amy Irving, uh, from oh sure, Carrie, uh, and Sigourney Weaver. Yeah, yeah, Sigourney Ooh. Weaver. Yeah, Sigourney Ooh. Weaver. Um, I feel uh, was also she was also on my list um that's good yeah it's yeah it's a tough one like i actually feel like i actually don't know who to who to go with on this one for, uh, for what it's worth johnny's pick was susan sarandon oh ooh, nice I, ooh. yeah i, I like was that. i was thinking that the one too i didn't put it on my list but yeah i like that one so coming off the great waldo on, pepper yeah uh someone yeah. else on my list was actually helen mirren Ooh, oh nice ooh, yeah ooh, ooh, i like this movie so let's move on to Cassie and Ander, as, as Stellar Skarsgård pronounces it. Uh, Russ, who's your Cassie and Andor? Thank you for letting me go before Fry, because I don't know what he does, but... <laughs> that's exactly, <laughs> that's like... exactly why I that's exactly why I chose you first. He, he's smiling. He's got eyeballs on my list. I don't know. Um, so so, so my, my top... I have a few top choices. I have a few backups. Um, the choice I think would be great, but probably not the most marketable. I mean, maybe. I don't know. Uh, John Cazale. Oh shit! Yeah. <laughs> so so <laughs> that's so that's good. that's my number one choice because he would just like he would it. just draw you like he would draw you in. It would be so you see the conflict in him. Um, so my 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 kind of throwaway was uh, Roy Scheider uh, because he, he's in that he's in that ballpark with those um, with that team. Uh, you know uh, the Lucas Spielberg connection. Um, I thought that would be kind of cool. Um, and then yeah. kind of what I think the more practical solution, um, speaking of Sigourney Weaver, be a uh, Tom Skerritt. Mm. Oh, yeah, that's good. <laughs> I, th- I think. And, and now imagine they all have mustaches, like pretty, pretty wild yeah. mustaches, <laughs> like all of them. So that that's like a, a must. Roy Scheider would would have it like, you know, glued on a little bit, I think. But but um, <laughs> they, they don't, they'd all have the requirement mustaches and some pretty intense sideburns uh, from all these guys. But I think I think John Cazale would really like I, I don't think he would have taken it. But uh, Tom Skerritt might have. Sorry, you just said a phrase. Well, first of all, I love that. Um, There's a phrase that you just said that is really lodged in my brain. Uh, requirement mustache. I think I'm going to name a band requirement mustache or something. <laughs> um, uh, Mickey, who's your Cassie and Ander? Sorry, I can't stop doing that. That, that Stellan Skarsgård impression. I love it. So, I mean, kind of going back to like what Fry, I definitely took the, the assignment as this is a B movie, a TV, made for TV movie. It was how I wanted to approach it. Same. Um, for sure. Because that's yeah. how I envision it. But I don't know. I'm not, I don't have that Tarantino-esque knowledge 
of those names of those guys. Yeah, like those so like those B and C listers who were acting in like yeah. The, yeah no, I know. I wish we could have yes. gotten so, uh, Quentin on the show, but he um, I know, right? uh, he had a he had a conflict. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so my picks are like more mainstream, bigger actors, even at the time than I like, I would hope. Um, so I, I went and I, so I feel like this is kind of obvious, but I went with Pacino as my main pick. I got a couple backup picks, but I would wrong. have to say never, just in terms of like, never go wrong with Pacino, you know, the swarthiness too, the, the and like the kind of like, you know, like on edgeness, like that's to me, it's just Pacino. I like Gazelle though. That's a good pick too, but I might have him for something else coming up. Oh shit. Ooh. Ooh. I also might have him for my list something too. else coming up. <laughs> <laughs> Fry, who's your Cassian Andor? Um, I'm gonna go with Martin Sheen, but he's got to have. You ever see the movie The Little Girl Who Lives Down the Lane with Jodie Foster? He's yeah. got to have the hair that he has in that. Yeah. That's the hair that he must have. It's like a floppy hair, and he has a real darkness to that character. Mm. He, I think, yeah. is he. I think is possibly the perfect one for this. So, so that was also actually John's choice for. Oh for Cassie and Andor Ooh, as well. So, nice. Yeah. You know it's right if two um, people both pick it. It's yeah. Correct. And, one of the, and one of them is John Hansen. So, <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so, so I'm not following the rules. Like, I just have a whole bunch of names and I can't choose. But my first thought was Edward James almost. Ooh. I, all right. Ooh. I'm trying to think what he was doing at that time and what he looked like, but I, I can see it. He was just, he was, I think he did, because uh, I took a look at it, it was like uh, TV, which actually would work out pretty well. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. And then I was also thinking um, Fred Williamson. Like, as soon as I thought of Pam Greer, I was thinking black exploitation. And then I was like, Fred Williamson. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then my more mainstream one, Harvey Keitel. Mm. Oh, nice. Mm. Yeah. For me, like with Pacino, he was the other, you know, in there, too. My other backup with Keith Carradine, too, is like that was trying to find someone oh, a little bit more yeah, obscure. If this he comes up. TV. He comes up in mine. He... A lot of yeah. the Carradines are actually were all over my list. And I thought, like, because I, I feel like this name is definitely going to come up for for another character with a lot of us. But I, I feel like Yafakado might, you know, like going yeah. from I think we'll all know what it is the obvious coming up. But like, well, what if we? I mean, but what if we think about him for the, you know, the the casting role too? I think he would have would have been a good choice. He could have done it for sure. Yeah, I mean, he was great in everything. So, but yes. Okay, let's move on to. Krennic. Fry, who's your Krennic? You know what? I'm going to go with, I have like a, several. I'm going to go with uh, Scott Wilson from In Cold Blood. He played like Herschel on Walking Dead. Um, mm. He's in this movie called The oh! Ninth Configuration. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. yeah. Just because he's got very sad, uh, kind of gentle eyes. And I think that would be like a interesting kind of juxtaposition to have the guy who's like interesting. A, like interesting sociopath um, just kind of look like Scott Wilson. Just kind of snapping the back with like his sad eyes. Russ, who's your Krennic? Uh, so it was kind of a tie for me. Uh, I was thinking um, first, like coming off Space 1999, I was thinking Martin Landau would be my Krennic. Ooh, that, uh, like, I, that is a good pick. That yeah, is a that good is a pick. pick. I, 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 I think he's my top runner. Uh, my backup was James Mason, but I want Martin Landau. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I see Martin Landau as like, he has that imposing character and the intensity. I, I, I see every, he's he's got it like for me. The reason why I like Martin Landau, the tricky thing about the Krennic character is that he's a bad guy, but he ultimately is, he loses to Tarkin and he's intimidated by Vader which so when those two aren't around, 
he's the bad guy. But then you start to see yeah. he's got like a chip on his shoulder or like an internal weakness or like there's like something where he's not quite as like granite as either Tarkin or Vader. So that's why I like Landau, especially off of, you know, Mission Impossible. Like he can do... Mm. Mm-hmm. He's got the range like he can do those like subtle changes. So I think that's a great choice. Uh, Mickey, who's your Krennic? I got one pick, only one pick. Didn't bother thinking of backups. <laughs> Don't even have to look my thing. This, this would be dream thing. This would be like if I was producing, I would like go to war for it. And it would be John Cassavetes. John Cassavetes is on my list as well. Yeah, that's a great choice. Yeah, because like, you know, Cassavetes was always like the one for me, one for them. He he'll do anything. I mean, not anything, but like he would do something like this for the paycheck so he could keep funding, I guess, this time, what, uh, killing of a Chinese bookie? Like they had to stop production to right. <laughs> uh, so that he could write. Like, that's an interesting choice. And he plays such great bad guys. The movies, he, the, those, the accent, he's, he's like more often than not a bad guy and he's so good at no, it. No, exactly. He is. Brass Target reminds me of like the kind of movie that Rogue One 77 would sort of be in the mold of and he plays an army officer in that who's like and of course 30 dozen too oh yes right yeah he's a cycle right at, at the right, time yes. it was uh mikey and nikki um in 76 Ooh. or two minute warning uh yeah, yeah so so two minute warning i think was a one for them thing and he didn't direct mikey and nikki that was correct a, it was elaine may yeah. yeah yeah so that yeah. was um not a one for them. I think that one was a one for Elaine. But uh, yeah, Two Minute Warning was definitely a one for them. Like, who's the other co-lead in Two Minute Warning? I think it's someone very right wing that he wouldn't have gotten along with, at least in my imagination of it. Uh, Charlton Heston. Yeah, he wouldn't have got. He, <laughs> yeah. He, <laughs> he, he and Chuck, he and Chuck, I don't think would have gotten on. But um, OK, I actually have several for this. Um, Roddy McDowell. Ooh. Nice. Ooh. Oh. All right. Telly Savalas. Ooh. Oh, wow. Ooh, I like Telly Savalas. But here's, I think, possibly my favorite. Anthony Perkins. Ooh. Oh, nice. Ooh. Yeah. Well, what? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Who, at this point in his career, would do something like this. Yep. <laughs> and has that, like, he can be frightening. Or frightened. <laughs> Frightening or, or, or slightly or scared charming is how I describe it. Scared yeah. charming. Yeah. Which which Ben Mendelssohn in the first scene between him and Galen Orso, Galen Urso, I, I said Orso, the pasta or rice <laughs> is made clear to me. But but Galen Urso, that first scene between the two of them and that like preamble, he is that like frightening charming or that like menacing charming. So so I was trying yeah. to think of someone who could do that, but could also seem scared and pathetic. Yeah, as soon as you said that name, I like see the image. I just saw like the image of him like immediately. In the I role. see him in that white suit. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, then I was also thinking Gene Hackman, like just because of Superman. <laughs> Why the hell not? He's great. Yeah. <laughs> Watch him do anything. Um, John's pick for Krennic was Oliver Reed, uh, which I think is oh, wow. which I think is great, but he seems a little old. Not necessarily old, but he seems like. I can't think of a character he's ever played that's like that you would ever for a moment think was pathetic. I just don't see Oliver Reed ever, ever taking any shit from anybody. (laughs) I mean, I mean, I don't know. He's an amazing actor, so I'm sure he could have pulled it off. You know, there's moments in The Devils where I feel like you see a little bit of that. Uh, So I I think Oliver (laughs) Reed works. Yeah. Can I throw out another one? Ooh. uh warren oates who's uh in a lot of peckinpah movies Ooh. he's like the uh, i think like drill sergeant and stripes 
Um, I just oh, mainly because a, he has yeah. like he has like similar uh, mouth energy to Ben Mendelsohn. He's very like <laughs> got that like big <laughs> lot. But, like, yeah. <laughs> He, play, he played Dillinger in a John Milius movie, and like, uh, so I imagine like Yo, behind the scenes, like seen, him. Have you seen the Milius John? No, Dillinger I've only movie? seen the trailer. It's good. Is it good? It's 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 good. I'm gonna check. Um, War, War Notes kind of has like a perma frown. I love it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, the, and that remind that makes me think maybe Ned Betty too, um, in terms oh, of yeah. being both able to be like mm, and powerful in one moment, and then sniveling in like the next. I could see you know that, that range. Yeah. yeah. And then, and then Fry's pick also made me think of maybe jo- like a young James Cromwell too. Oh yeah, definitely as a pick of like it's a B movie and it wouldn't be someone who would be bigger at that time. Right. I have to confess, I really don't know what James Cromwell was up to in the seventies. That'll do. I'm the, the only thing I, I can really think of that I, I love is this movie called Murder by Death, which is like a spoof oh, of like yeah, kind of like Clue but better in my opinion. Yes. Oh no, yeah, he is in Murder by Death. You're right. Another one is Richard Harris. Ooh, um, Richard Harris is good because. Have you ever seen the movie Orca? Like he yes. kind yeah. of like kind of comes across as like a little like pitiful like at that sometimes too. So I like you could play both ways at um, based on that movie. Uh, Richard Burton. Ooh, how nice. Man, this Rogue One would have rocked. <laughs> well, so that's just we can only choose one though. Yeah, or they're, no, they're, they're played by a different actor in every scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think we have Krennic pretty much covered. It seems like that character has inspired us. Landau, so Landau, Landau. Sorry, Land. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Let's move on to Galen Urso, played by Mads Mikkelsen in the actual film. Mickey, who's your Galen Urso? Um, I actually feel like there's a couple good picks here, and it kind of can be like take the character in slightly different directions. Like I'm, I'm thinking like especially with, like when you cast something like with Mads, it's like you're thinking of someone who is just on the approach, scary and cold seeming, but has like a real like, you have like deep inside a warmth, warmth, you know, and, yeah. and a, you know can hold secrets. Um, so like to me that like, but then. Actually, I didn't really take that into account. Like, my pick is more just a, we're doing this because this is, like, the genre of the time, and, so, and he has to be in this movie because he's in all those movies. So this is actually completely opposite of that. So I don't know why I said that, but uh, I said Ernest Forgnine, just to get Ernest Forgnine in there. Nice. He'd be just yeah. sweet. He'd just be a sweet dad. He wouldn't have that kind of, like, yeah. you know, perfect approach. But that could be interesting, too. Slightly different But he could movie. have a rage. You know, he could have a rage about him if he needs. Yeah, well, That's true. well, so it's also interesting, too, because... Like I totally see that working. It's uh it's a slightly different flavor of the character, but it's it's totally valid. But I'm just saying if you're doing one of these movies, you need Ernest Fortnite in it somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> I have some backups too, but we can do that at the end. Okay. Russ, who's your Galen Urso? So this is where my Patrick McGowan came in. Uh I, yeah. Oh, Patrick McGowan. Back- yeah. Yeah. I like it. Patrick McGowan should be in every movie, probably. I think no, he shouldn't because then he wouldn't be as special and exciting <laughs> when he shows up. It's like the master in season. Nah, never mind. I'm not going to do any Doctor Who references. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Patrick. My backup uh, early on um, was was Leonard Nimoy. Actually, um, I, that's I, good. I, that's, yeah, I, that's, yeah, that's good. I was thinking Fuck. like, okay, uh, uh, you know, uh, coming off Star Trek, like kind of kind of in that that middle period. Um, no, and he was in he was in the Philip Kaufman invasion of the body snatchers. Like he, yeah, yeah. He, he's a good choice. Though you might get him and Landau mixed up. 
Uh, but that that's <laughs> it's possible. Uh, but that's actually that would actually kind of work though, because like the two of them are supposed to be like Pretty kind of like father. Foils. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. No, I like that. I like that surprise. That left field uh, Leonard Nimoy. And he's such a, I think he could have such a kind of a calming wisdom, a sweetness. And we've kind of seen that, you know, in, in the Spock character, this kind of uh, subtlety. But but when he brings in more humanity, he's just a charming, a charming, intelligent kind of kind of character player like that. Perfect. Well, the interesting thing about Galen Erso is that the inspiration for his character, he's really Robert Oppenheimer. So it's like someone that can simultaneously be sort of loving and you feel sympathy for but at the same time has like a monstrous intellect and is you know responsible for the worst excess of like scientific rationality i don't know uh fry who's your galen urso i'm gonna go with uh jason miller from father Karras from the exorcist Ooh. just because that's it kind of has that Ooh. like extremely competent but like semi-defeated kind of vibe Yes, he really has that. Yeah, that's a good pick. That is, Man, that is a good pick. The Friedkin playbook, unexpected. <laughs> Mine was John Cassavetes, mm. just because I think we all, on some level, want John Cassavetes to be our dad. But, <laughs> but then I thought yeah. Robert Duvall. Ooh, oh, nice. Uh, you have the THX eleven thirty eight connection. Yep, yeah. he's right in there, and like he's someone who you could see in a tough spot. Like you could see him being very loving toward his daughter, but also someone who can do the hard things or whatever. So I don't know, but those were my picks. But I like um, Leonard Nimoy and uh, Russ. Who was your first? I don't know. He I could I have can... also done like <laughs> like Vincent Price, like left to his own devices. Could also I'm just out of sheer curiosity would have liked to see him play Krennic as well. Like I just yeah I don't know. yeah <laughs> uh, Patrick McGowan. Oh, yeah, McGowan. I did have a God third, and it was just in case, and it was Vincent Price. I don't know why. I felt like he might he might grab the role and just Vincent Price it. I would, uh, he he I has would, uh, that, that that range. Uh, Lee Van Cleef, just because so, uh, Lee Van Nicholson kind of thing. Like, you just kind of see, to see somebody who usually plays like a, like villains kind of play a villain role. Or what about Lee Marvin? Oh, yeah. Shh. Save that. Don't talk about him yet. <laughs> okay, sorry, sorry. Okay. Uh, um, I will enter it into the record that Johnny's pick for Galen Urso was Paul Newman. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Nice. I don't think he would have done this, though. No, but it's great. It's a great <laughs> choice. Yeah. I didn't go with it, but I, there was a character I was going to give, like, Jeff Bridges. So, like, even that knowing the same thing, it would be like, he wouldn't, at this point, he wouldn't do it. But I was like, eh, I just want to put it there. Mm. I didn't go with that. But Well, so at the end, I have a section of, like, you know, random pilots and imperial officers like for like uh, people that we just want to see show up in the movie like um uh like one of my favorite performances my favorite actors and favorite characters in the movie is actually blue leader who's in it for like a minute like the guy he just he just looks like he should he was there in 77 and like he really <laughs> he really died like three days before the battle of yavin he really seems like he was one of those guys <laughs> and then also like there are a bunch of british character actors who pop in and out like the guy um who cassian shoots in the beginning yeah and then like one of the the like squabbling rebellion leaders in that scene like when they're deciding if they should like if they should evacuate or if they should whatever it's like so so i feel like there are like a lot of opportunities for just you know faces we would want to see so jeff bridges i could definitely see as like a rebel pilot who's just like 
happy to be there. <laughs> <laughs> Too handsome, probably. His character seems to be like hand handsome. Give him a mustache, though. We'll see. <laughs> He's in this like it's not a drag racing movie. What is it? Um, when like you like you race shitty cars and like crash them into each other. What is that called? Uh, something derby. Yeah, a uh, derby. Yeah, he's he's in a movie called um I think it's called The Last American Hero. Oh. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, like he's just there because he likes to fly and shoot, right? <laughs> like 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 he's that he's that he's that kind of guy. Um Demolition Derby. That's what I was thinking. Of. Yes, a Demolition Derby. Yeah, <laughs> yeah why well, couldn't I think of it? It's yeah. like something derby. Do we want to do Saguera next or Chirut and Baze of the duo? Yeah, let's do those two guys. Okay. Chirut and, and Baze Malbus. I was kind of thinking maybe do them together because they are kind of a double act and like who you cast as one affects who you pick as the other. I mean, sure. at least for me. Yeah. 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 Like Makes it. sense. Fry, who are your Chirut and Baze's? Um, I was trying to find somebody who like who is a martial artist, but I couldn't really find anybody good or like that would make sense so i'm going to go with like joe morton who wasn't he was acting by then he's probably about like 30 years old um oh, just because like i mean like the fighting part of it like i think they would just have to find a way to kind of sell it but like i could just see him as a blind uh monk like uh character who is uh like endlessly devoted to like the force um and just like never losing that in, like faith and uh for Baze, i picked out uh, jeffrey lewis julia lewis's father um, cause he is, he's in like some of Clint Eastwood movies, like every which way, but loose. And he's like, kind of just kind of a good bro. Mm. So I was kind of mm -hmm. like, I went Joe Morton first and he, like, I was trying to find somebody who would play off them well. These are deep cuts. So I like that. it. Mickey, who's your Chiraton Bays? So I have to say, I'm really disappointed that Johnny Hansen wasn't here. Cause I have a real crazy out of nowhere pick that he was a little bit for him. Um, <laughs> But uh, basically, like, if we're thinking about these men on a mission movies, for Chiru, I'm, th I'm talking about is like, they always seem to like, or especially in the 70s, they're grabbing like some sports, major sports athlete and, you know, like Jim Brown and the Dirty Dozen, right? Jim Brown, right? Yeah. And the Dirty Dozen. Um, or like OJ Simpson. So I was in, like, think, in, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's like, like, I'm like, someone had to be a sports star for me. And then I, I would say at the same time, I had the hardest time with these two characters. I mean, there's a tricky thing when, you, when we're talking about these two, it's like, you don't, you don't want to whitewash a character per se, but at the same time, it's, it's fun because you could also pick a person, of, you know, color or a woman or whatever to play one of the, the white roles that was played. So sure. I didn't try to like hold himself up by that, but I do feel bad. I also feel bad that I just don't know. I don't know the, the Shaw Brothers movies that well or any of the time to try to think of some a martial artist. But at the time, there was this guy and, you know, all, I mean, all of us here, you know, went to Binghamton and there's a local guy at Binghamton had a dojo named Heidi Ochai. Um, who was like a, just an expert martial artist, um, including sword stuff. And he was actually in the 70s, he was on, according to my dad. So I actually don't actually say if this is completely accurate because this <laughs> is just my dad telling stories. He was a big negative. Um, said he was on Wide World of Sports all the time, including one of the things he would do on Wide World of Sports was he would put a watermelon on his wife's stomach and then cut it in half with a sword um, without cutting her at all. So I have this vision. I don't, I'm going to give away the game already for if we're going to do directors at the end. But like I have this idea where um, Sam Peckinpah is hired at first to do it. He gets maybe like a quarter away before he gets fired. <laughs> but I imagine he's like in pro, he's in pre-production trying to find someone. He's drunken in his hotel room with a resolver and he watches wide rule of sports. He uses Heidi Ochai, does his sword trick. And he's just <laughs> like, that's him. That's that's fucking him. And he shoots the TV and calls up like the producer <laughs> and tells him who's a hire. So, so that's my, my pick for Churu. And then for Bayes, I, I'm thinking just I think Bruno Gans. 
I think it'd be trying to make Ooh. it a little international too. Ooh. Find someone. Fuck, he's in this no. movie too. Fuck, this is a good movie. <laughs> this, is, this is a yeah. fucking awesome movie. Wow. And John Reese Davies too would be a good pick for a good buddy. You that's, know, in a movie. That's yeah. true. So it turns out that Heidi Ochai, he does have an IMDb, and he apparently appears uncredited in an episode of Kung Fu, which is the right time period. Yeah. So, and if there is indeed a a David Carradine, which may be somebody's choice for one of these roles i could very easily see that happening russ who are your picks for cheer and bays all right so I, I see this as uh you can you can pick and choose who you want to play what role but i'll, I'll put the names out there uh it's richard roundtree and charles bronson both mustachioed yes. back to back yes okay like, all right like we're, <laughs> hey, we're, we're, we're putting a team together Done. yeah yeah Sold. I, I don't i don't have to explain why or what they do or who plays what character they could even trade who which one's blind it doesn't even matter uh it, that's, well, so, it, it, it's just gonna be so good that's so awesome. so johnny's pick for bays was charles bronson yeah we're right <laughs> and his cheer was tatsuya nakadai who is an actor who he was in Ran, and he was in a lot of Japanese films, of which I'm not familiar, but John is a fan of Japanese cinema, so that tracks. I'm going to assume that that's a great choice. I don't I don't <laughs> quite have the firsthand knowledge. But um, David Carradine for, for Cheer It, yep. and Franco Nero, the original Django, for the other one. Yeah. Oh, nice. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah, and then my never gonna happen option, but like I kind of want to see it. If Cassavetes is involved in this movie in any capacity, he's gonna try and get his buddy's work. So I'm thinking uh, Peter Falk and Ben Gazzara, and Peter Falk's the blind one, obviously. <laughs> yeah. That is so good. Is that boy there? Oh, both have mustaches. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Everyone in this, everyone in this movie, wall to wall mustaches. Even Jin has a mustache. All requirement mustaches. <laughs> All requirement mustaches. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what I should call this episode requirement mustaches. Um, <laughs> okay, let's move on to Saguera, who's sort of the uh Che Guevara of this right. universe, if the name didn't already imply. But Fry, who's your I'm Saguera? not happy with anything I came up with, but uh just okay, good because I'm very like, happy with <laughs> mine. Good. Finally, finally <laughs> so, I feel like this is a little bit problematic, but just like uh Dennis Hopper. Um, Ooh. Okay. Okay. Ooh, that's, know, that's, good. Right. that's good. That's good. Yeah. Actually, got that's kind of the right vibe. Well, that's good. Yeah, that is kind of the right vibe. Don't second guess yourself ever. That's great. <laughs> Russ, who's your Saguera? So uh, you blew up my spot on Lee Marvin. So he he's my be my first choice. But I have a he wouldn't do it probably ever. But maybe Marlon Brando. Nice. That occurred to me too. Yeah, because he's he's the Colonel Kurtz. Like yep, yes, yep. yes. Like it's right yeah. in the range when he might coming right off Last Tango. Like he he might have. And the thing about Brando is that you can never predict what he would and wouldn't say yes to. It's like he may very well have said yes just to make somebody angry that he didn't like. Right. <laughs> like he, he he was that he was that sort of capricious. Like so. I mean, yeah. I mean, let's call up Marlon. See if he's if he's down for a day of shooting. Like I mean, come on. And Cop um, Coppola would pop over to direct just those scenes. And uh, yeah. Well, yeah. so there's an interesting <laughs> subtext here as well that we'll get to when we talk about directors. I think that's going to be a very interesting conversation. But um, <laughs> Mickey, who's your Saguera? And please don't make it the one that I told you about when we were texting the other day. Oh no. I forgot. No, I'm pretty sure. Well, it's my pick. To me, it's just, it's, it's, I guess, obvious. Okay. And just in terms of like how 
how he was portrayed, portrayed and how it really is and just who has that kind of gravitas and gruffness at the time you know it's a yafakado um yeah i think yeah, yeah. to me that that's all in the vision but honestly like i mean he could play any any role in this. So, no yeah you know, he could play any I role in this that. So, yeah. um, so this would also be a good Bronson role too, maybe then if Jacques Khan was playing Cassian or something, but, but to me, I just can't, it just seems, he seems so great. Yeah. He seemed perfect. He, he was the first one that crossed my mind. I think he would be perfect because again, it's that imposing, serious, kind of crazy, and you're mm-hmm. not quite sure what he's going to do. And that, that I think Giafakoto perfectly fits the bill. So yeah. So if he's not already in the movie, I think that's a slam dunk. Um, my saw is Klaus Kinski. Yes. <laughs> yes. Because that guy's a crazy motherfucker. <laughs> right. And, and <laughs> but like th- the other thing too, like I have to be honest, like depending on the movie, depending on which Klaus Kinski you get, like I could also see him as Galen Urso. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. I could also see him as Krennic. He, yeah. Like, did you know, by the way, he was, um, Spielberg wanted him for the Nazi with the uh, the top hat in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Thought Thought or whatever his name is. Yeah, the guy in yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because the spy guy. Oh yeah, the guy that has his yeah. his face melted off and the medallion seared into his hand. That would have been good. Man. Yeah, no, yeah. and uh, uh, Klaus Kinski he turned it down. He refused to do it, yeah. which just is like is par for the course of his like very questionable career decisions. Like he really hated the idea. I think Klaus Kinski really hated the idea that he would, uh, that anyone would like, like a movie he was in or like, like him in the movie. Like, I don't know. He is, <laughs> he has this weird, like, like self-destructive streak. It's like the idea that Steven Spielberg wants you to do Raiders of the Lost Ark, Jaws, Steven Spielberg with Star Wars, George Lucas, and you turn it down. I don't know, man. It just seems like a payday, if nothing else. Yeah. And that would have been like on the heels of uh, Nosferatu, which I feel like might have been like what he was thinking of. And maybe if, uh, from Klaus Kinski, maybe it was just like that is he was thinking that's too much like Nosferatu, like kind of a. I don't know, man. But like, but like Galen, I'm kind of like a hissy, hissy villain. No, that's true. That's true. If you so, yes. So if you do Klaus Kinski as Galen Urso, then your pick, Mickey, his his real life daughter, Natasha Kinski as Jin, then you don't have to worry about chemistry the likeness yeah i mean it's the real but yeah, yeah. um for saw guerrera johns was lewis gossett jr Ooh. sure he would do a fine okay. job I like it. my one my one other backup i had was um was a uh, scott glenn Ooh. yeah wow yeah like uh, well scott glenn in apocalypse now he plays the guy they sent in before martin sheen right who goes native right yeah yeah that's him right yeah uh what's his name in the movie the character's yeah. name colby <laughs> Sorry, I was trying to do a Martin Sheen. It didn't. Yeah, Colby Richard, Tenet Richard Colby. Yeah, yeah. Lance, yeah, didn't seem to come that's off. my Martin Sheen. <laughs> <laughs> Lance. Okay. Um. Uh. The pilot. What's his name? Bodie Rook. Bodie. Yes. Yes. Sorry. Who's your pick for Bodie, Mickey? This one is a fun one, and literally, there's just so many people I could think of that would just work so well. Because, I mean, it's just one of those fun roles that so many of those actors at the time could really sink their teeth into. I mean, I think it's one of the ones, one of the many ones John Cavell, Cazal, we just went over this, but could play. Cazal. But, um, oh, sure. My, yeah. my first, my first gut instinct, um, I'd like to see um, what would be Brad Doris. <laughs> mm. That would be good. Yeah, because he's supposed to be, he's supposed to be young, right? Yeah. No, that's good. 
I like that. Russ, who's your Bodhi? Richard Dreyfus. That's mine. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's it's too perfect. He would just. I just think more more of, uh, like a touch of like the the Jaws kind of like era Richard Dreyfus with with a with with a touch of uh, you know maybe like the the, the Close Encounters kind of neuroses, um, and then a little Mister Holland's opus, you know, you know, into his f- future catalog. But yeah, I think. I think he's got that kind of uh, that kind of fun energy, and he can really, yeah, yeah. It's like you know, you can imagine him like because the character in the movie Riz Ahmed is like he's sort of in over his head. He does this thing, and then he's he's kind of nervous because he doesn't know what they're going to do with him on either side. And I can just imagine you know Richard Dreyfus is like you know nervously cracking jokes to his captors and stuff like that. But then he ultimately at the end of the movie, he does have the steel and the courage like to blow himself up to save everybody. So, but that's good. Uh, Fry, who's your Bodhi? Your Bodhi pick? Well, I got two and they are John Cazale and, and Brad Dourif. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're all right. Driver, they, they wave like there. I love uh, it. Now I'm interested to see if, if Fry had another one because I did have one more and it's Richard Pryor. So. That was my other one. That was my other one. <laughs> yeah. So now I have none picks because because, <laughs> sorry, oh my God, because both of you took them. But um, John's was Lawrence Fishburne. Nice. I was trying to get Lawrence Fishburne in there. It's just, I don't know. Cause yeah. Yeah. Apocalypse now. Like, yeah. Right there. yeah. A, lo- a lot of connections. That, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he would essentially be playing the same character as Apocalypse now. Yeah. Right? Just a few years too early, because at this point he's he's probably what like like twelve, but <laughs> but I mean, I mean we can make it work. Uh, let's do K two S O the droid, and you can separate them into body and voice if you so choose. Who went first last time? I'm not I'm not keeping track of this. I think I did. Okay, um, Fry, because I'm mad at Russ for stealing Richard Dreyfus from me. <laughs> <laughs> I got two and I can't decide. I'm going to go. I'm going to go with John Ritter. <laughs> Ooh, good. Oh, that's, that's good. good. That's, that's good. good. That's a great pick. That's so good. <laughs> I'm trying. I couldn't really picture how exactly he would. His voice got, has to be like slightly like droid eyes in some way. Like, yeah, I feel but, like you couldn't no, but do I the exact same rhythm. To... That he, yeah. Where do... <laughs> yeah. No, but I want him to do it. That's so <laughs> I want good. that voice. Oh, in man. That's so good. I have the only competitor. Okay, who you got, Russ, for K2 Albert SO? Brooks. Albert Brooks. Nice. Ooh, that is yeah. good. That is good. Uh, Mickey. Yeah. I was like, I would say for like realism at the time, like I kind of have like the pick because I mean, at, at this time period, when you do were voice actors, you didn't have like that was a thing. You were a voice actor, and only voice actors really at that time were doing voice acting. You know, there wasn't this kind of crossover of a celebrity doing other right. things. Yeah popping up as a voice so if you kind of be in like if this is like a realistic thing to me it you know it'd have to be something like that and the only name that kind of i can really think of at the time would have been you know mel blank i, I know he's he did some sci-fi robot voices and other kind of 70s type of things so that's that's kind of my realistic choice um and but then like in terms of like but oh who, who cares you can do you know get someone else in there um i think like I, I, again there was funny i mean there's just so many people like like, you know, the guys you mentioned that just I feel would be so great. But like I was thinking like Gene Wilder, Ooh. Dan Aykroyd, Ooh. you know. Oh, like, Dan Aykroyd's a good well, choice. Yeah. Aykroyd would be Dan. Awesome. Yeah, kind of just like dry. But oh, man. I, I think Gardana. it's. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, Aykroyd wins for me right off there. 
That's yeah. I think if it, I think if it weren't John Ritter, I think it would be Aykroyd, though. Though I'm not sure. Yeah. Um. Here's one where I was thinking. So I took a little inspiration from John's list. He separated for K2SO. The body would be Peter Mayhew, who played Chewbacca, because I guess in his mind he's like he's like a very yeah. he's still a yeah, very large, a tall droid. And he's hanging around the lot, so you can just pick him up. I was thinking Richard Keel could be a body too. Yeah. Right. And for the voice was um, David Niven uh, was his, Ooh, was oh, his nice. choice for the yeah, voice. Yeah, I like that. So in that spirit, I was thinking if you have someone like either a Peter Mayhew or a Dave Prowse for the body, I wanted Ernest Borgnine for the voice. Oh, oh nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then um, <laughs> my comedy option is for body and voice is, uh, is Ben Gazzara. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what? I did have one other one, Peter Sellers for KTO. Oh, oh fuck. Yeah, yes, that's good. That's good. Of course, Peter Sellers. God, how come he wasn't the first? My mind is really slipping these <laughs> days. I feel like if you're gonna do Peter Sellers, I feel like you just try to do more of an Android thing. Don't don't change them up. Don't make them too robot. Just kind of yeah. Thing is there. Um, keep them looking. Maybe add some some Star Trek doodads or something. Some some ping pong balls and like a, a pasta strainer to their yeah. head or something. I mean, I, mean, I want to see that. Well, then you know? you're, yeah, you're doing no, that's, the, that's the space balls, Joan Rivers kind of uh, droid uh, style, <laughs> right? Yeah. No, and also like the uh, the poster for like Sleeper or something. It's <laughs> yeah. like is like is like is like yeah. sort of what I have in my head now. Uh, what about Bale Organa? I know it's only a small cameo he has in this, but does anyone have any? No, I meant to try to think of one, but I didn't because that would be interesting because then you're kind of casting for, you know, like decades down the line, too. Well, for Peter Cushing, though, it's like the same thing, right? It's like so. So maybe the person they would have to reanimate uh, yeah. would be whoever they cast as as Baylor. Kinda. Um, <laughs> the only thing that comes to my mind is Freddie Prince Sr., Oh, no. okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he died. He he killed himself in '77, so it would have been right on the. Yeah, because he made this movie. Because. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> sorry, that's a bet. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm or sorry. it could have saved him. <laughs> or could have saved him. Yeah. Oh, um, no. sorry, sorry. That was in poor taste and at fresh off of <laughs> of doing a whole episode devoted to mental health, and I'm making. <laughs> but that's but that's what you but that's what you have to do you gotta that's why it's okay you gotta make you, you gotta it. make the yeah. jokes because otherwise what's the point am i right okay Funny i don't want to go anywhere too dark. Jokes. uh for bail organa i was thinking jose ferrer yeah all right yeah or telly savalas because i like the idea of that <laughs> yeah. in a dual role in a t- no 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 like i just like i mean that would be confusing like i had him for what for uh for Krennic. You know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I retract my submission of Telly Savalas for Krennic, and I submit him exclusively for the role of Bail Organa. No, I think um, it should be him playing those two roles because be like fun. people are going to try like read into it. It's like, are they? What are they saying here? <laughs> <laughs> or maybe um, Peter Sellers? He plays K two S O and Krennic. <laughs> and Galen, <laughs> and Galen Urso. <laughs> um, do we have any Mon Mothmas? Oh, I have I have oh. a um, of a bailout again. I have two choices. Um, so I, th- this might be too intense, but I was thinking like like a James Brolin. Uh, would he have done it? I don't know. But James Brolin oh. is Bail Organa. My backup or more potential might have done it. Uh, Bill Bixby, TV's incredible. Ooh, nice. That's a sexy choice. I like that. <laughs> yeah, okay, he's got, he's, he's got a look. He's got he's got the eyes. He's got the kind of kind of sad eyes. And I was like, throw a bit right. of a mustache on Bill, and he got it going. <laughs> 
requirement mustache. <laughs> mustache yeah. um, John doesn't have a Bail Organa. Mon Mothma, for John, was just the original actress that they got for Jedi. Yeah. But um, I'm thinking maybe Shelley Winters. Oh, yeah. I like that. Yeah. They got uh, Jenna Rollins. Just to oh, get Jenna okay. Rollins in there. No, yeah. No, no. But I feel like he would have been too old for Jen. So no, no, you're right. It's it's Jenna Rollins. It's it's Jenna Rollins. <laughs> yeah. I'm just gonna think of an extra one right now. Julie Christie. Oh, Julie Christie. That's a good choice. I mean, my, or um. Oh God, why am I blanking on her name? The Avengers from the '60s. Oh, Diana Rigg. Yes. Yeah. Diana Rigg. Maybe a little too action star, but I don't know. In the '70s, maybe she was. She would do something like that. She's like a little bit yeah. older, but still. I don't know. She was in um this really creepy show on the BBC at the time called Sapphire and Steel. Heard of it. Oh God, yeah. How did I not oh God, who's um the guy in Sapphire and Steel? He should he should be in this fucking movie. Sorry guys, I'm steel. going down a... who's steel? Or is he sad? Yeah, right. <laughs> He's steel. Oh, um no, I'm sorry. Uh Joanna Lumley. Joanna Lumley is who I'm thinking of. I can't picture I know the name, I can't picture. Well, She's my Mon Mothma. Yeah, I can see it. I'm looking at her now. And David McCollum is and David deal. and David and David McCollum. He could um he could be either. Yeah, he's, he's got to be in this. Yeah, he could be either uh, Krennic or or Galen, or he could be one of our cameo Imperial officers. No, he's he's the guy. He's the guy in the Rebel meeting who's like the coward who's like, no, we can't. Yeah, like, we can't possibly oh, yeah, attack or something. I had a Mon Mothma so, pick that that I thought could go. Um, could also be uh, Jin Erso. <laughs> can go either way. Uh, I was thinking oh. Catherine Ross from uh, Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid. Uh, she plays at a pl- oh. at a place. Um, but I was thinking uh, she would be a great Jin Erso. She was a backup. I totally forgot uh, to mention. Uh, no, that's that's a good pick. I bet Ellen um, Burstyn has a backup myself ooh, too. Ooh. Ellen Burstyn is a good pick. That's a great choice. Ellen Bur- that is a great choice. And there's the the Scorsese connection, which is a nice segue into who do you think would have directed this. We're going to have the same pick, I'm afraid. No, I don't think we will. Um, here's the Baroque scenario that I've envisioned in my mind for <laughs> the the production situation of this film. Like, I, I feel like the studio was worried about Star Wars, that it was going to be too weird and no one would understand it and it was going to flop. So to hedge, they commissioned a cheapo World War II style movie that would lead in as like a as like a movie of the week or something similar to how they released the comic adaptation and the novelization of star Wars, like months and months, like in 1976, even to kind of like the drum up. So in my imagined scenario, George Lucas wasn't necessarily thrilled about this happening. Right. So he's not the director. He's not in charge of it. Um, which I think kind of jives with the fact that he had nothing to do with the, the rogue one that they actually made. I don't think that, this is necessarily a movie he would have um, he would have made. So for directors, you know, at one point he did envision Star Wars as like a James Bond like sort of anthology franchise where like he would he would start it off. He would sort of set the world in motion and then it would just be like a sandbox where all of his friends would come in and make like their Star Wars movie. Right. So you could see it as like him throwing a bone to one of his friends. Like I was also imagining, you know, very famously Brian De Palma 
like really thought George was torpedoing his career with this movie and he really didn't understand at all what it was. So I was like, so maybe De Palma would try to help him out and sort of direct like his version of what he thought Star Wars should be to kind of to tee up his buddy's movie. So so it's not a flop and he doesn't fall flat on his face. But I don't know. I don't know about that. But anyway, Mickey, who's your director for Rogue One in the 70s? So I got like a couple like different thoughts, like again, because like this is really, you know, like picking actors, picking actors. This is again, more the play, like where you're saying, like, what's what's the scenario here and everything, you know, what's going on? And, uh, and I, I guess I guess I already kind of said it where like I can envision to me, I envision, yeah, it's going out for like, you know, for higher thing. First of all, the writers are straighter and John Millis writes this together somehow without killing each other. <laughs> um, and the script goes to Peckinpah. And he's just kind of, he has to be fired after, you know, X days in the desert or something like that disappears. And then like, and then I guess my pick, like the, 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 the easy pick, which would be the easy pick the studio would go with, because he's the guy who's helmed these before. This is the guy who's got that experience, you know, doing this type of thing would be Aldrich, Robert Aldrich, who's, you know. No, dude, the, that's my pick. I think go-to guy for the men on a movie. Oh, okay. Ooh, yeah. Ooh. So yeah, that's, then it's right. So yeah, that's my pick is Robert Aldrich. Yeah. It's the correct pick. <laughs> So, and I would, I would say the other interesting thing, like to think about too, um, would be just because I, I didn't realize this doing research is that Irvin Kirshner, director of um, Empire Strikes Back, did a Men on a Mission, but he actually did it later. He did one in the 80s um, about like the, the uh, Israeli hostage rescue with a movie that Yafa Kata was actually in. So, that's not possible, like, get him involved with Star Wars a little earlier by handling a Man with a Mission movie. Well, that's actually, he actually made that before Star Wars. I'm pretty sure. I don't think it was in the 80s uh, because it's oh, it's one of the reasons that he got the job for Empire was because he demonstrated he could direct action. So it also makes sense that, you know, if, if this is something that is sort of being forced upon George or if not forced upon, it's something that he can't direct himself because he has his hands full with Star Wars, that he would do something similar to what he would do after Star Wars for the sequel. He he would go to someone that he knew and trusted. So so Irvin Kirshner, I mean, he's an interesting pick. He could have done this. Yeah, 76, right on at the bed. Yeah. Yeah, so that would be right, right then. Yeah. Fry, who's your director? I'm going to go with uh, Roger Donaldson, who went on to direct Cocktail and Species. Uh, but then uh, in 1977, <laughs> he directed a movie called Sleeping Dogs with Sam Neill and actually Warren Oates. Um, oh. It was about, it was, it was like, yeah, it's like a, uh, about like a revolution against a anti, or against fascist government um, in New Zealand. Um So I'm, I'm just, I guess like I'm imagining him being offered this and then deciding to uh let go of that movie and direct this movie that's actually a really good a really good choice russ who's your director and i left so you for funny, last because uh, i think i know who it is uh yeah you do uh so yeah because war notes got mentioned and specifically the dillinger movie and then just being in the circle of friends i honestly was just thinking john milius would have directed it because maybe they needed someone to come in and do it on the cheap and kind of get it done and someone who can bring kind of a militaristic uh viewpoint uh, for some realism so yeah john milius would be uh my choice of the time and just kind of fits in that that lucas coppola gang it's all kind of uh yeah uh, best buds making movies together Makes yeah sense. i feel like if you're gonna have a director direct the character saw like that's that's the director you're gonna who's gonna really catch capture that character for you know perfectly yeah, yeah. like he's interested in it, it's kind of like you know conservative the conservative of the group but yet i think he has the revolutionary mindset down better than anyone at the time 
Yes. No, he absolutely does. I was going to say Robert Aldrich, but now that you brought up Milius, I think, I mean, I guess it all depends, like, how involved the studio was. So I think, like you were saying, Mickey, Robert Aldrich, he was a safe pair of hands. For those uh, who don't know Robert Aldrich, he directed The Dirty Dozen and The Longest Yard, but he did a bunch of film noirs. He did a lot of westerns, including Veracruz from 1953, which is like the progenitor of the entire spaghetti western genre. I mean, and it at least certainly directly inspired Sergio Leone, who listed a lot of like very specific things that Robert Aldrich did in Veracruz. And he's compared often to, or like spoken of as like the direct antecedent to Sam Peckinpah, except that Aldrich, he knew how to work the studios and was considered like a safe pair of hands where Sam Peckinpah was absolutely in no way considered a safe pair of hands. But so Robert Aldrich, especially with the Dirty Dozen on his filmography, which I feel like was a touchstone for Rogue One and the fact that like he would Mm -hmm. do something like this And he would do like a yeoman's job. And I think he would have made a really fucking fantastic film. So, yeah, for me, I think it's either, you know, Milius or or Robert Aldrich. But Roger Donaldson is, again, Fry, someone never would have occurred to me, but that that's a very intriguing choice and very well could have. I just thought of it right now because I I forgot to think of a director. (laughs) 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 My first one actually was uh, William Friedkin. Oh, Oh, yeah. Getting your freaking on. Yeah, you get your freaking on. Because I was thinking of uh, Roy Scheider for a bunch of parts. And then I was thinking Friedkin because, you know, very famously, Friedkin was really pissed off that he made Sorcerer like the week before Star Wars came out. And like, you know, no one saw his his movie. Sorcerer's and, so like, good. Oh, yeah. No, it's so good. And it's also come full circle because wasn't there an episode of The Mandalorian that was like essentially Sorcerer? Yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, man, so good. Yeah, the wages well, um, of people. It's it's a it's a sorcerer yes, right. with sorcerers raises. Yes, yes, right. Yeah. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and I was wrong. The Where Eagle Stare is directed by the guy who directed Kelly's Heroes. Mm. Um, was why I think I got my wires crossed on that. Which is another great Men on a Mission movie. Did Did John pick a director? He said either Ridley Scott or Richard Donner. Um, Ridley Ooh. Scott. I think may have done it because at this time, I think he was still transitioning from commercials to features. And I think, I mean, it depends. Like, I don't know if like, if this is also a British production or not. I mean, if it is certainly that ups the odds for that, but you know, once again, and this is not gospel or anything, but like in my thought experiment where the whole impetus for this project is because the studio wants it, like they would probably want the production to be stateside so they could sort of keep an eye on it and also do it cheaply, which is actually the reason why they went to England was because of the favorable conversion rate. So I don't know. I don't know. And it doesn't ultimately matter because this, because <laughs> this never happened. So <laughs> or, or did it in some, in some universe, I, I think this would be a really fantastic Rogue One. I always prefer our versions of the films. I just, you know, we're right. You know, we have good ideas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do we want to do uh, down the cast list, uh, just sort of lightning round and just say the name that you like the most? Yeah. Okay. Let's start with Jen Fry. Who's your favorite Jen? I go with Jenny Agutter because since I, there was I, two of us that. I second that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I go with Cam Greer. That was my favorite. I heard. Oh right. Yeah. Yeah. That I I would also go that way. I think that could be yeah. fun. I'm also going Pam Greer. Okay. What about Cassie and Ander? 
I'll stick with my Kazale. Okay, John Kazale, I respect that. Uh, Bicky? Yeah, he's got to be in there somewhere, and I feel like that's a good spot for you. So I'm going John Kazale, too. Oh, wow. Okay. Fry. I'll go with Martin Sheen. Ooh. I'm also going with Martin Sheen. <laughs> you know what? I, I would actually, in this yeah, instance, I, I would go Sheen. I say I say clean sweep on the Sheen. I, I, I totally forgot already. But yeah, especially the little girl yeah, who's down the lane Sheen. And like, like what is that? Post-Badland yeah. Sheen? Uh, yeah. Okay, what about uh, Krennic? I like my pick. Sorry, I'm going to stick with Cassavetes. I would like to see Cassavetes do it. I had said Martin Landau, but honestly, I'd rather save uh, that that look style for Nimoy, and I'd rather go Cassavetes for for Krennic <laughs> because he's got he's got that charming sparkle in his eye. It's like I yeah, he's devious, especially all those Columbo episodes. He's just got that duality. I love it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I love him in a Columbo. Yeah, Fry. Um, man, I do like Landau. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go with Landau. I'm I'm torn. I'm torn. I'm torn. No, I'm really torn. I don't know who to go with for this one. There's so many good options. I think I'm going to go with, I guess, Cassavetes. I guess I'm going with Cassavetes. I want the bad Cassavetes because the one that yeah. I really liked, the one that I really liked Cassavetes for was uh, was Galen or so. But I think we have a lot of good ones for Galen or so. So I want to see Cassavetes as like the, the bad one. And like, he's got the range. He could do all of that, that like the menacing and then like the pathetic. It's like, I mean, I mean that's the guy. So Galen, so Galen or so, Jin's father. What were some of the picks? Magoo and Nimoy, but I... And, and I really like Nimoy for it. I'm mean, Patrick McGoon would be great. I'd put him in anything, but but I feel like for whatever reason, Nimoy really really is is an interesting choice. Especially if you're going Cassavetes for Krennic, then I would go Nimoy. That's fascinating. I like it. I think I'm going to do Nimoy too. Yes, Nimoy is uh, good, but I'm going with Patrick McGoon. Look, it, you you win either way. <laughs> you win either way. Yeah, yeah. This is a tough one. I think um, I think I go with McGoon. I think I go with McGowan on this one. This is tough. I'm gonna watch. Sc- I'm gonna really watch scanners fun. later. Just get some McGowan fix. Get all McGooey. <laughs> <laughs> Cheer it and Bays. I'm all over the uh, Charles Bronson Richard Roundtree yeah. Uh, combo. Yeah, yeah, I that's, yeah. I, think, yeah. I, 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 I trust Johnny's choice, but that one's good too. Though I really thought that there was a place for David Carradine in this movie, and I'm sad that that he was my backup. Uh, yeah, throw him in an X wing. No, I think I'm going with David Carradine and Bronson. I can see that. That's also good. Put an extra um, character in the movie. Who cares? We're making it up as we go. Just yeah, throw, yeah, throw them all a, in there. That's a three of them. Yeah. Ernest Borgnine's just in there as Ernest Borgnine. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting in the back of the ship, peeling potatoes. <laughs> He's on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> Who sticks out for Saw, Saw Guerra? Russ. Uh, I still kind of want a Brando, but like in, in hypothetical, but you know. Why? Why? We can't do Brando? No, he could. I mean, would he take it? I don't know. But it's our fantasy, <laughs> so he did. He takes the role. <laughs> he nails it. I think it's Yafikoto for me. Yeah. I'm sticking with that. Yeah, like I'll that do Yafikoto. Yeah. Hey, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll be a joiner. Sure. <laughs> when, it, when, when it's Yafet, I'll always be a joiner. Always. <laughs> and who's your Bodhi? John Cazale for me, except I, I do want Brad Dorf to be in there somewhere. So I like that coward that you mentioned before The I think he's a senator. His name is Vas Vesper and he's played by an actor named Fares Fares. And like, so they made his name redundant based off his name. So I think that character's name is going to be Dad Boroff. <laughs> it's going to be played by Brad Dorf. Dad Boroff. <laughs> Played by Brad Dorif. <laughs> okay, well, well, that's got to be it then. I think. <laughs> Though I do like Richard Dreyfus. Yeah. Oh yeah, that is good. Yeah. K two S O. 
for me, it's Peter Sellers. I think it's got to be Peter Sellers. I still like the John Ritter. And, and who is the other? Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd is a real, he, like the voice. Yeah. It's got to be whoever, because that is a funny joke. The like, did you, did you think that was me or whatever? I forget it. Like when she shoots the other droid. Right. Like, yeah. That, so it's a big funny joke. So it's got to be whoever did that, does that the best. That's a John Ritter right there. Honestly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and you know what? I also think it's not, it's not an Aykroyd moment. I don't think. Yeah. I guess some not, reason. Yeah. I'm going, I'm going John Ritter. I think it's a perfect, it's, I think it's, yeah. it's, if it's, if it's Aykroyd, it's gross point voice. blank Aykroyd. <laughs> <laughs> um, there were some interesting ones for Mon Mothma. There was at least one. I had, I had Rollins, Jenna Rollins. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 No, I think Jenna Rollins is my pick. Yeah. That, that's a, that's a winner right there. Yeah, for sure. And director, who do we like for director? I'm still thinking Robert Aldridge. For me, it's either Robert Aldridge yeah, or John Milius. Just, just for being factual to the time, I'm going with Aldridge. And if he doesn't decide to do it, or the studio, you know, the studio wouldn't allow Milius, I'd say yeah. Milius is also is also accurate to the times. He's script doctoring it for sure. Oh, like, sure. Yeah, okay. Okay, yeah, I buy that. It will be like Jaws, where he literally just writes the Saw scenes, the Saw scene. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, right. So imagine that this is a movie that's most known for like a monologue or like a phrase or like a turn of phrase. Like I love the smell of napalm in the morning or like, you know, the USS Indianapolis speech. Like imagine if this was a Star Wars movie known for its dialogue. Right. <laughs> I mean, like just imagine that for, for a moment. That would be crazy. Cause if you're, if it is like <laughs> the cheap television kind of uh, companion piece, it's like kind you of like. You would need it. Yeah. Like you would need to rely more on the dialogue. But it's like beloved now because of just like that. It's like the one thing that like a lot of other Star Wars don't, Star Wars movies don't really have. I mean, they have like famous yeah. lines, but. No, yeah. They have famous lines, but like not necessarily for the best reasons. Like there are prequel memes. There are lines from those movies <laughs> that everyone knows off the top of their head. But like the reason why it's not because it's John Milius. I love the smell of napalm in the morning stuff. It's it's. it's <laughs> I like this. I like written by Milius, directed by Robert Aldrich. Yeah. Yeah, I'll do that. Okay. I think that about wraps it up. I had a lot of fun with this one. Yeah. I also just want to say just randomly, because if you're watching any of those movies from those time periods, Jeff Goldblum just randomly in a X-Wing somewhere. And you're just like, is that Jeff Goldblum? <laughs> <laughs> to I had him totally gets blown up. Totally gets blown up. <laughs> yeah. And yelps. Adam has a secondary for... For Saw, I had him, but like if he just kind of like 70, 70s Jeff Goldblum, but like kind of aged up, like they give him like gray in his hair and like, and it's like bigger than usual. His hair is like huge. <laughs> Got a pompadour. Because that kind of happens for Jeff Goldblum, like for this period, Jeff Goldblum, where like he pops up in movies and you're like, you're like, like oh, Nashville. Yeah, like Nashville or like, uh, invasion like of the in Body Snatchers. Yeah. Right, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And you're like, oh, I guess I guess uh, Goldblum's been around for, a little, for longer <laughs> than I thought. How old is he? It's like 97. He's 17. <laughs> yeah, well, I really enjoyed this. I think I enjoyed this more than the, the prequels 1986 episode we did for some reason. Like, I think it's just because I have more of an affinity for certain reasons for this time period, maybe, is the reason. I don't know. I don't know. How do yeah. you guys feel this compares to the prequels? Show I think it's at did? least as good. Mustaches and sideburns oh. can't be beat. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, these are my people. These, these, these actors are talking about. That's like, yeah. It's just, it's got to be dirty. It's got to be dirty. It's got to be quick. It's got to be just, just yeah. grimy. Yeah. I mean, imagine if they shot it on like 
Super 16. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if this is like a TV movie, they may have very well have shot it on Super 16, though. Like in my mind, it's like framed four to three. It's like the Academy aspect ratio or whatever. I mean, it's not widescreen or maybe it is. I don't know. I have no idea uh, because this isn't real. So I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, unless anyone has anything further, if you like what you heard, transcripts are available of all the episodes, including this one at trashcompod.com. We are Trashcompod across all social media, and we will see you on the next one.